Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. But this little dink ball, the only one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground, and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh, really? Yeah, I might have been asked to do a whole pile. Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I coffee, you free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> <laughs> So we're down to just two county finals this weekend, um, the Cork football and the Tipperary hurling replay. I thought the Kerry football one was on this weekend, but I got that wrong. That's not on till, till next weekend. So Clonakilty versus St. Finbars in Porky Keeve at three o'clock. It's a repeat of the 2009 final, which Clonakilty uh, won by a point. I don't know much about Clonakilty at all, if I'm being honest. It's not a name that jumps out at me when it comes to Cork, um, you know, senior football. They've won nine county titles. St. Finbars which is a very, very famous Cork football and hurling club, they've won nine county titles. Like, I mean, you know, they're, they're on level footing. Clonakilty beat them the last time they played in 2009. Um, the difference is St. Finbars have three All-Ireland club titles in football. They've won nine Cork titles. I've, I know I've said this on the show before, Niall, because I just rave about this. They've won nine, one third of their county finals resulted in Munster and All-Ireland club titles, which is, which is pretty phenomenal. And then they've, they've two All-Ireland senior club hurling uh, titles as well, 75-78 in the hurling and 80-81 and 87 in the football. That's beyond belief. Yeah, some, it's some strike rate to have, isn't it? Like in the the tradition of that club, like you always think of Jimmy Barry Murphy anytime you hear a St. Finbar. Yeah. It just seemed like throughout the kind of 60s, 70s, 80s, they went on sort of a, a blaze of glory like and the win in the Cork and going on to win the All-Ireland. It's sort of iconic, isn't it, the, the Finbar's club? That's exactly it. And they have Mike O'Neill. Well, Clonakilty have Mike O'Neill. Um, he was manager of Clonakilty in 2009, Lee, when they won the county title. So they're like, what did we do well back then? Let's get him back. I think we've talked a bit about managers. I think it was the Ballier manager. Uh, they got him back, um, you know, that did so well. Interestingly, St. Bars are, uh, St. Finbar's won the, won the group game 
Uh, we saw this with Bell Mullet and Knockmore. It flipped for the county final. So Bars mm. won the group game one twelve to one five. But it, presumably, you can just tear that up for county final time. Yeah, well, I was reading that uh, Clonakilty they'd only lost two games all season, and both times was two Simpson Bars. Um, First time was in the league decider, and then the second time was the one you just mentioned in the the group stage of the championship. Right. So, like you know, they, they'll they'll be hungry for revenge. But I mean, it is, yeah. Like the other team too will have a bit of confidence going in, knowing full well that, that they can actually beat them. The other thing is that uh, Clonic Kilty, you know, they'll be missing Lamo Donovan. So he played for Cork 2019, 2020, or halfway through the 2020 season, and then he tore his cruciate ligament. He's a, a really fast, like attack-minded halfback. Yeah. Um, Torres Cruciate came back this season, played the last three matches there, looked like he was getting a good run of form going. And then in extra time there in the semi-final, he tore his hamstring and had to get surgery for it. So he'll be missing the final as well. And he's a young lad, just tormented with injuries at the minute. So that'll be a big miss for them as well. And uh, only good news for Finbars. Yeah, I don't want to put you on the spot or anything, but you don't suppose you remember uh, the scoreline from that league final? I don't know. I haven't... Oh... No, I don't. But I remember them saying that it was they were being criticised for being too defensive and the manager was dead against that uh, accusation and that he said that they went for it. But I think it was a high enough scoring game. Why, why do you ask? No, well, I mean, obviously, uh, St. Finbar's won the, the group game pretty easily. And I was wondering if they won the league game pretty easily. That would be a little bit more evidence for anybody uh, maybe <laughs> who's looking to put a bit of a wager on it, maybe or something this weekend. The big one in Tipperary, obviously, is Lockmore, Castellani and Turles Sarsfields. <laughs> 3.15, this is on television. Um, advantage Lockmore, you would say, or is it Advantage Turles, who've had two-week break, or is it Advantage Lockmore, who pretty much were the better team for a lot of that final, have won a football one in between, the momentum maybe is all with them, tired bodies and all that kind of thing as well. It's hard to know now, this is all hindsight stuff. Lockmore win it odd or flying it every weekend. Turles win it, just that rested them the world of good. I suppose, yeah, it's it's hard to say. I'd say it comes down to like like how they lock I'd say they were as we were talking about how they would celebrate that football win, I'd say they were straight back into it on Tuesday night and they're in they're in that kind of routine now, it's seventeen weeks in a row. Yeah. Um I I was looking back on it to see like was there many replays in the Tipperary Hurling final before and Lockmore would be glad to know that the last time there was in 2002, um, it was Mulnahone beat Turles Arsfield. So Turles lost the, the last replay. And Lockmore, they've only actually won three Tipperary Senior Hurling Championships, but one that they did win in 1988 came after a replay. So maybe the, the, the omens are good there for, for Lockmore. Maybe, yeah, the manager will be, will be that. The big, the big issue for Lockmore, obviously, is playing every weekend is injuries. If you've got an injury, you're in trouble. And obviously, John Marr missed the football final. And it was Brian McGrown, he came on late in the football final. You'd imagine he's grand now. He's come on late. He's got the legs run out. But John Marr had a hamstring tweak. Now, with a tweak, you will be back in two weeks. You know, if it's just a tightening up. And they were right not to not to play him last weekend, but a big like I mean that's that's just a huge either gain or loss. Yeah, you'd imagine Brian McGrath will be all right because he played he played the week before against Turles, and like he's had that thumb injury. It's been at him for a long time, and he was interviewed after the football final, and he just said, like, forget about the thumb. If I if I'm if I if they want me to play, I'll play. Like so, I'd say he he'll be grand this weekend. John Maher, like that kind of came as a surprise. That was just a kind of a a late injury that made him miss the the football final, and like he would be such a huge loss because he's such a sort of a dominant player, like centre back there for Lockmore. He was in the Tipperary team as well, but he just he's a he's a key man for them there because 
very rarely does a ball really get past John Maher like and uh, yeah hamstring like it's always a dodgy one like it, you can see him you can probably see him running out and giving it a go but when a lad is a hamstring at them it's never 100% like I know it is it's difficult we saw that with Owen O'Donnell at inter-county level he probably regretted going out to the Leinster final you want to play one thing one one type of injury that's not that you don't mess with is a hamstring injury it's not like you can run it off or you can do anything it just comes back at you if you don't give it enough time but I have tweaked mine uh, before and I've been okay in two weeks so it, like I mean it is possible again I always say this on the show the big yeah. test the big test the day after you hurt your hamstring is can you walk on it without a limp if you can walk on it without a limp you have a chance in two weeks if you have a limp forget about it you're a month and that's it and trust me this is this is better than any medical advice you get off any physio trust the limp the, f- the following day um, on the hamstring matches on television um, RT have clocked Balakala and Rapparees um this is in Port Leash on Saturday night. Um, Lee Rapparees la- played the county final on the 19th of September. Now, this is a huge disadvantage to Rapparees and a huge advantage to Clock Balacolla. Clock Balacolla are at home in Amour Park. Leash clubs generally don't do that well in Leinster, but I'm banking on Clock Balacolla. The momentum. Uh, the home advantage and Rapparees. Jesus, they're two months sitting sitting around waiting for this match. Yeah, nearly longer than two months at this stage. Um, look, we talk a little bit the disadvantages of playing week in, week out, and the difficulties of that, and how a week's break can you know probably do everyone uh, the world of good. But two months—that's a long time. You nearly feel like you're starting um, a brand new season again, and you're wondering how how they tailor their preparations again. You know, do yeah. they, like periodization ways in terms of their training. Do you taper it right back? You know, start off really late work in some hard fitness stuff and try to peak yourself again later on, you know, knowing full well that this game's in the horizon. And you're going to be going up against a team that's got real momentum, you know, they're match sharp, they've got the, they're just, you know, not long after their county finals. Like it's, it, it is a big disadvantage, you know, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was uh, to their detriment in the end. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, think about it, you just won a county title and for the next month, they'll pretty much be going back into pre-season training. Just to, cause where are you going to get challenge matches? Every other every other hurling team in Wexford's out. Like I mean, you know, you have to be trying to find them, and you're at county final stage. Other counties might not want to challenge games. It's a terrible situation that they've been landed in. You're right. It's nine weeks. How the hell would you would you even you know get over that nine weeks? Yeah, it's a, it's an awkward sort of a setup for them, and I'd say surely after winning the county final, like they would have known like that they're not going to be playing for, for a long time. So I'd say they surely took two a week or two at least took it off and kind of. You know, just try to give themselves a, yeah, a break, a enjoy the break. county final, and yeah, like it would be, you'd be coming back in, and it's kind of a pre-season thing. You're nearly getting fit again. And, and how depressing just, would that be? Like, I mean, yeah. you go from winning a county title like Clock Balacolla, and now they're into another competition. Still, that fitness carries over. Still, you know, the sharpness, all those things, and you're looking forward to it. Where the rapparees are like. They win a county fi- final and are back doing feckin' long distance runs. Yeah, it's not ideal for them. In fairness, and like as as Lee said, like Clock Balacala, they're coming in with huge momentum, like having won two county championships in in basically the last three months. Like, and I was like, I was talking to Declan Laughing yesterday, and he was they ha- like they haven't lost a game, Clock Balacala, since he came in as manager. They they drew the first one against Rathdowney Earl, but ever since they've been winning, and you know that sort of momentum will do them the world of good. Heading in here, like the Wexford champions, they'll probably be be favourites, like because Rapparees, they're a very good team, and they hammered St Anne's in that in that Wexford County final. Yeah. Like we we seen how good they were to, to full forward line. It was Lenny they ran Connolly. Amok, yeah. they, they ran amok completely, like so. 
Um, I'm looking forward to that game, like, because it's not too often you see Leash and Wexford champions like on television, you know, in a in a Leinster provincial clash. So uh, looking forward to that one. Yeah, most Port Leash fans will remember 1988 when Rat from Wexford beat Port Leash in very last puck of the game. Port Leash just scored a screamer point. If anyone listened to Pat Critchley's uh, tribute show on the show uh, on the show here earlier on this year, they. The Port Leash got a great score from John Taylor to go two points up. Thought the referee would blow it up with the with the Ratnure puck out, but of course didn't. And Ratnure went down, scored a goal to win the Leinster final. And Port Leash were already after win, or Port Leash won the football the week after, or had already won it. That would have been the Leinster double for Port Leash. So, listen, when you talk about Wexford clubs and Leash clubs, uh, Niall, there's plenty of history there. Uh, was there many were, dual players back then, Wally, or would you? Uh, there was. You know? Port Leash would have had five, six at least, right. seven maybe even dual players on that team. Yeah. So it was the, the 1980s were a golden period for for Port Leash in football and and hurling. I think they won six football, uh, six hurling county titles. Would have won an All Ireland club football three three Leinsters an All Ireland club, and were beaten in that Leinster final in hurling. So like I mean it was fantastic. It was a great time to be alive, and I don't remember any of it really. Although I was at that Ratnure game, I do remember that goal going in. I think that was in Doctor Cullen Park. What age would I have been? Ten. Um, so those little those little memories uh, are definitely there. Podrick Pierce's versus Mount Bellew, my lock. This is off because of COVID. Um, I don't want to say too much about this and start giving out. Um, I don't know. Like, I mean, this, uh, it's like, we don't know much about who has, how many players have it or, you know, who's sick. I don't know. My thoughts on this, Lee, and listen, everybody has different thoughts on this, obviously, are if these games are getting called off, we've 93% vaccination uh, take up. If these games now are still getting called off, are games going to get called off forever? We know COVID's going nowhere. You know, like, I mean, if some of the Podrick Pierces or Mount Bellew, my lock players are sick, they can't play the game. If their players are not sick, they play the game. That's the way it's always been in the history of illnesses and GEA. And if these games are getting called off now with all this huge vaccine take-up, what's to say in three years' time games still aren't getting called off? Like, there's no end to this. This is why I'm wondering, can like these games just not be played? Yeah, I'm wondering too if uh, my own county maybe is on the blame for this. Tyrone maybe set that precedent of uh, extending fixtures and stuff because of COVID outbreaks. But um, in this case, I definitely think it harms Padraig Pierce's more because they're in a bit of a similar situation. They played their final over four weeks ago, I think. Um, so they've got that longer layoff. This will lead it up to five weeks. Uh, my Bally and my lock, they played last week. You think they, they actually got a win over the, the Leitrim yeah, champions? Yeah, Bally and Amor, yeah, so the momentum's with them, and then a one-week break in between that will probably suit them better. I don't know the difference between like who has the COVID cases no, or which club. We don't know. It, with it. it definitely suits Mount Bellew, my lock. I'm not making yeah. any accusations. <laughs> that's all. We're, factually, it suits them better, and that's all we'll say on the matter. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's it. Like, I mean, there's not much more that we can say about that. I just find it disappointing. We don't know who the outbreak is with. I just see no end to this if we can't just get on with it. You know, like I mean, and even with the Tyrone situation. The vaccination program wasn't at the stage, you know, that that it's at now, and we're not going to get any more to take to take it. That's it, ninety three. It's a phenomenal number. I don't know. Just for me, lads, we need to start moving on now at this stage. Like I mean, and just play these games and stop calling them off and treat it like if you're sick, don't play. You're not healthy enough to play, and if you're not sick, work away. The other game is Bally Ballier versus Bally Gunner. I think this one will probably be put on television because this is on this is the earlier game. This at a half one or something. Quarter, one, yeah. So I you'd imagine TG Cahar will head down to 
Um, oh, it's in Cusack Park. It's in it's in Clare. Last time these played, it went extra time. It was in Walsh Park. I remember it. Um, uh, it was it was a late. Oh, it was a, a Philip Matney goal late. It was a, it was a cracker of a game that day. I think the final score after extra time was two twenty six to two twenty three. Like so, they they went all the way, and I I think yeah, Ballier they were. They were kind of on course for victory that day and Philip Mahoney, there was a ball came across the square and there was loads of Ballygunner lads pushed up and he volleyed on it in like and it was a it was a brilliant goal and a brilliant way to to save that game for them like but And Ballygunner were strong favourites like they will be this weekend. They were strong favourites, that was gonna be a big shock. For sure, yeah, like and Ballier in fairness, like when they're missing Tony Kelly this weekend, that's obviously going to take away from them a small bit, but like it, it was a wet day the last day. I'll never forget that game down in, in Walsh Park. Like it was such a such a brilliant game. But Niall Deasy scored two ten that day, and he scored two six from play. Like so, he gave them a lot of trouble the last day. I think t- it wasn't Tony Kelly's best game. I think he sc- scored three points. Like so, like Ballier, as we seen when they won the Clare Championship, they still have a bit of strength and depth beyond Tony Kelly. But like Ballygunner, they were so good in that Waterford final. They scored goals for fun, and yeah. Desi Hutchinson's on fire now. Like you'd have to fancy them in fairness, but I wouldn't write off Ballyhale. Ballygunner, uh, Ballyhale, uh, All Ireland final, or maybe they meet before that. I'm not sure how the semi-finals uh, work out. Conor Turbot has been talking about um, playing in the Ulster Club uh, Championship. They obviously won the first county title in 58 years and generally I always remember Port Leash won it in 1999 we hadn't won it since 91 a big famine in, in Port Leash uh, you know after that 80s success where I remember us talking about winning the county title winning the county title and then it was Leinster Club and <coughs> wasn't a huge amount of focus on it you know whereas when we won the second and third one we really were honed in on this Leinster club. We, it was a huge target of ours that we wanted to, you know, do well and win it. So it's it's forgivable enough when a team that wins the first county title in fifty eight years, you know, isn't altogether obsessed about the Ulster club. You know, they're kind of happy with what they've done. But he's talking about Conor Turbot's talking about. I think this group of players are lucky in that we've played provincial championships coming through. We've played under sixteen and under twenty one Ulster tournaments, and that experience helps. So there's a know-how in terms of what it's like. Um, And it just got me thinking, Lee, like, I mean, the Ulster clubs are very lucky. At underage level, there's under 16, under 18, under 20 Ulster club competitions. And I don't know, just as young players, immediately they get that kind of focus that county title isn't the end of the year. You know, if anyone has... And then there's a huge novelty of it as a young fella. Everybody remembers the Fela. Remember playing at the Fela. We won it the year I was under 14. We did a lot of good uh, underage teams. Jesus, the novelty of playing the down champions, you know, as an under 14. I think it's fantastic. I think it prepares the players for senior level because they're going to be playing in provincial club championships if they win a county title. Ulster are consistent on it. I know Leinster and Connacht did a provincial minor championship up until 2015 and now they don't do it anymore um, I don't know I think for under 16 under 18 under 20 it's a fantastic thing yeah no it definitely is I actually wasn't aware that um, like in Leinster and whatever they, it wasn't really yeah I don't Munster don't deal. do it at all yeah because it's a huge deal up here um, my funny my first ever article uh, as a journalist for in terms of GAA was for the Gaelic Life in 2015 and I interviewed Connor Carville who's now the Glen captain um, and Glenn had just won the under twenty, uh, under twenty one that was then uh, Ulster Championship, meaning that they had won four minors and an Ulster under twenty one 
um, at Ulster level, sorry. So, and then the, the whole article was about them taking all that experience and all these youthful players and retaining them. And someday, you know, they'll make it into the senior and they'll t- finally topple the great uh, Slap Neil team because Glenn were actually an intermediate at that stage um, at senior level. Right. So, you know, it's fun that that's all come full circle now. But the point is, I even made that article in the first place, you know, because the exposure that that Ulster tournament had given them. You know, we'd heard about this Glen team years ago in Ulster. Um, we uh, <laughs> It sort of gives them the same sort of platform as like, uh, you know, schools cups like McCrory Cup and, and the Hogan Cup and stuff. You know, people get talking about them, you hear about name players. It prepares them, as you say already, like in terms of knowing that the county final isn't actually the end of the year, it isn't the end of the season, there's more to come. And it prepares them to, you know, for playing on the big stage, you know, because what is underage football if it isn't preparing them for senior football at some stage? Um, so they know that playing on the big stage and getting that preparation and then they can bring that into the senior uh, level. And, you know, like it's it's worked a charm for them. They were able to use that to their advantage and bring it, for, and bring it forward. So it's specific preparation for the specific environment that you're going to be in. Like it, it only makes sense. Yeah, Connor Glass mentioned it on the show last week when I was talking to him as well as, you know, it wasn't very new to them, even though they'd never won a senior county title, never played the senior uh, provincial club, but they'd all played in it at, at underage level. I think it's an advantage, well, it's not really an advantage in Ulster because they've all played in it. I think it's great. Like, for example, until Nace got to the county final this year, we wouldn't have known about Nace having great underage crop coming up through. Whereas if Nace had won a minor Leinster, you would have you know, you had your eye out for them or whatever. You know, I just think it's, you know, I, I, it's an extra, it's just an extra step that they could go to. And, you know, number one, prepare them for senior. But number two, more counties are aware potentially of, you know, what other how, how things are going on in other counties. Yeah, like I remember like chatting to lads from Ulster and lads from Guidor back in the day and they'd be saying they're going on to the Ulster Minor, Ulster 21 um, club competitions and you'd, you'd be looking at them enviously like it wouldn't have it wouldn't have affected my club now we didn't win too many county championships like but what a great competition it is as Lee said for the exposure for those players like, and for lads like us to kind of hear about young players coming up or they're ripping it up in the provincial club competition and as well as that it's just a it's a bit of preparation as well, getting the experience of leaving your own county, playing playing a, a club from another county as well. Like, and it's yeah. just a, it's a great competition, a great novelty as well to kind of, and I'd say everyone that like all them Glen boys, I'd say they really enjoyed that, and it would kind of whet the appetite for them now as they're looking forward to Ulster. Yeah, exactly. Maybe it's something Leinster and and Connacht might look back into and. I think Nace won the last one in 2015 in Leinster and Munster definitely should start um, start doing it. Uh, ben O'Connor has been talking about Middleton. I like <coughs> the cut of Ben O'Connor's jib. He doesn't hold back. I um, have to say I've asked him on the show before he read the text and never replied back to me, so I'm not going to hold that against him. It's not the first time that's ever happened. Generally, it doesn't happen. But uh, he, uh, he says we're going... Like, he's just being honest here. Like, I mean, you know, the kind of thing, oh, we won the county title, the rest of it is a bonus. And, you know, you know, we'll give it our best shot. We're going to have a right cut off Kilmallock in three weeks time. Now, this is the same fellow says, if there's seven or eight better hurlers than Conor Lee Ham, we don't know anything about hurling, right? That's what he said after the county final. And now he's saying, we're going to have a right cut off Kilmallock in three weeks time. And we're going out to win that Munster. And we're not hiding that. It's that brilliant, isn't it? I think instead, like some people might look at that, go, oh, geez, that's a bit cocky. If I was a player looking at Ben O'Connor saying that, that would give me fierce confidence, Niall, rather than the other way around. I think there's certain clubs and counties that have a rich history 
that bounce off that kind of confidence and unwanted. And that message is an important message for a club that might have, you know, like I say, aren't shrinking violets and have a good history that you should stand up and be proud of. Definitely, yeah. And like I'd say, that's exactly what Ben O'Connor is saying to the Middleton boys in the dressing room. And it's like, it's it's so rare that you'd hear a manager, like most managers, they go like, oh, sure, it's going to be a tough challenge and stuff like this. And it's all kind of... Oh, well, we're not looking past Kilmallock now because that's going to be a very, very difficult challenge. And, you know, Kilmallock, they've yeah. been there before, you know, the very good team. You know, we'll be up against <laughs> it. Actually, they'd be going in as very strong favourites for this one, you know. Did you have it down to a table. You <laughs> well, could be I a did. club manager. I've listened to it enough. I've listened to it enough times. Well, we're not looking... If you, if you look too far ahead, that's when you get caught. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say, though, as, as you said... If you were a Middleton player and you heard Ben O'Connor saying that, like you would be a little bit oh, inspired. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. you'd be like, Ben O'Connor, he has this belief in us and he believes that we're going to go on. And, you know, he's not afraid of kill Malik and, and we're not going to be afraid of kill Malik. And we're going to talk about it that way too. Like, and it's, it's definitely, uh, I remember Ben O'Connor had an interview last year and he said, he was saying the hurling has gone a bit like soccer. And he was saying that he was giving out about parents saying about poor Johnny getting a belt on the field and all this. Like, oh, I so love it. He's, um, he, he doesn't hold back in those interviews. No. And he's, he's, if, he, if he does reply to your text, I'll be looking yeah. forward to that interview. Well, I'm going to make an appeal to anyone from Cork. If you know Ben O'Connor, tell him <laughs> to reply. But maybe he was busy, you know, maybe he just forgot, you know, but maybe just remind him because um, we want to talk to him. Colin Boyle retired. A few retirements, Lee, this weekend. A few interesting bits. End of Arley was interviewed in The Independent about uh, Colin Boyle. And uh, I thought it was inter- there was a few bits in it that was interesting. He played the 2006 All-Ireland Final and Fintan Gould destroyed him. Um, no shame there because Fintan Gould was a monster of an underage player. Remember he played midfield. He probably played wing forward and Colin, Colin Boyle. <coughs> Colin Boyle was taken off at half time. And then he, he didn't get called into the senior panel until 2012. I think he, he got called in and didn't shake up the world of light. He was a forward when he was younger. That's another... Number one, I didn't know that he was taken off at halftime in that 2006 uh, final. Number two, I didn't know he was a forward when he was younger. And number three, which I was really shocked by, he was a skinny little fellow when he was younger. I thought this man is just a... Like, he kind of looks like a farming brute of a build. This was all gym work. I thought that was kind of... He was just a natural, stocky sort of fella. Yeah, it's the real perfect sort of underdog story, you know, of the fella that never give up and he had to really fight for it, his uh, recognition. Um, I think it was like a four-year hiatus before he could call back into the to the Mayo team. Yeah. And as you say, you know, he'd really obviously spent that time working really hard on himself, on his football and play, obviously, first of all, and then um, on his physique, getting really strong and, and much bigger to, to cope with the inter-county stage. And some players are late developers like that, so you can put it down to that too. But, I mean, I'd say the very obvious attribute of Calm is that you know, his work rate and, and even his bravery. Everyone talks about what a brave player he is. And that was just testament to even a, a couple of weeks ago when he was brave enough to ask Roy Keane for a selfie um, and it went viral on, on Twitter and everyone was writing on the alert saying that uh, it's the hardest man in Ireland and he's there with Roy Keane. Jeez, how did I miss that? When did this happen? <laughs> that was a couple of weeks. I think it was the Manchester Derby. Um, so he, of all days to do it too. And then that same day, Roy Keane, maybe the same day or the next week, Roy Keane, a video of him went, if I'm going mental at fans for asking him for selfies. Oh yeah, I but saw that. He, he obviously knew better to go mental at uh, Calm Boy. <laughs> <laughs> he's not to be messed with. Well, that's the thing. He liked to break lads up. This is why he's a fan's favourite. He loved a diving block. You know, he was a throwback and he was a hardy bit of stuff. And when you think that when he was brought in, it was John O'Matney gave him his chance as a cornerback. <clears throat> Probably not a natural cornerback anyways. He's more of a, a halfback. 
Um, he was dropped and he didn't get in back in for four years. And then he ends up with four All-Stars. Some turnaround, isn't it? Oh, it's brilliant. Like, and I used to, I used to love watching Colin Boyle play because it was just like... Even it, hurling men would have liked him. He He'd was, put his he- head in where you wouldn't put your foot. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I, he, like, he was just so, he was so kind of like 100% every time. And when he came, when he went for a ball, like you knew all about it, like because he went, he went in hard and he was, he was just like Keith Higgins really, wasn't he? Like he just kind of, he drove through everything and he'd never, he'd never really, never take a step back. Like, and yeah. as you said, I kind of thought he's always, he's so stocky, like you, t- you and it kind of looks like a lad that it's, it's naturally kind of a stocky thing, but he obviously, he put a lot of work into, into his game and, like I'd say that setback when he was younger, that drove him on and like you could see it on the field. He kind of played like he had a, a point to prove the whole time. And uh, like when you think of Mayo like and Mayo's best players, like Colin Boyle is the man that comes to mind. Like so just such a tigerish defender. Like. Yeah, no, it definitely is. End of early, if you don't believe me, End of early said he wouldn't be naturally built. He just put in the time um, in terms of the gym and building himself up. Um again just to transform his body from being skinny into what he looks like now like I mean again that's that's uh, deserves a huge amount of credit so yeah most most football people and hurling people would love uh, a Colin Boyle Paul Broderick uh, Carlo uh, corner forward obviously an all-star nomination in 2018 fantastic corner forward um, you know all left foot on the freeze Leash played them a good few times recently and he'd definitely be the ones you're the one that you want to worry about he had a brilliant performance against Kildare when they shocked them over in Tullamore um, I think he scored 11 points that day so he was fantastic he's actually a, an interesting one he's no spleen since he was 18 um, and he has a heart condition since birth so like I mean there was a lot of talk with Paul Broderick around the COVID thing and he didn't commit because you know at the start everybody was very very worried and rightly so about COVID you know and um, I think he relaxed about it then when you know as it, as it, as it <coughs> went on but I actually ruptured my spleen when I was a minor I was hand passing the ball over my head and a fella came under me and kind of hit me right in the ribs uh, with a shoulder or maybe more towards the stomach and the only way I can describe it was that, you know, like the feeling of being winded, that feeling of being winded, that excruciating pain just never went away. <laughs> it just never went away. So it was agonizing. I remember I went, I woke up in the middle of the night just and was brought to hospital. But remember the doctors telling me in hospital, because mine was ruptured and they were going to take it out and they wanted to give me every chance because I played football. They said, if you take the, if we take this out, you can forget about playing football. And I always remember that and, and it ended up healing healing back itself. This, your spleen cleans your blood or something. I can't remember now. Which is why I was really surprised to read that. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry for throwing this to you, Lee, that the, 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 I wouldn't say you're an expert on spleens. You are a sports psychologist here. But he, <laughs> this man has played, this man, uh, he has had no spleen since he was 18. It's phenomenal. No, it's, it's absolutely amazing. And uh, maybe it is the sports psychologist that needs to be asked in this one because, you know, it's clearly a mental thing. You know, he's got over even medical problems. I mean, that's that's the power of the mind right there. But um, I mean, that, that's that's unheard of. And then just throw in the fact, you know, that he has a, a heart issue as well. Like just on top of that, you know, as if it's no big deal either. And um, that's something he's obviously always had to manage, something he's always had to be really aware of. And you, you know, you've been in matches where you've took a really big blow or a really big hit, and there's always that, even if it is initially just getting winded, but there's that little spit sack, and you're like, oh, is this is this serious? You know, and, and you sort of have to walk it off and calm yourself again. You just wonder, I mean, 
would that be even worse for him? You know, would he always have that in the back of his head if he takes one really bad blow? Uh, or he's just so out of breath and he feels sick, you know, with the heart condition or something, you know, like all these mental uh, barriers will constantly be telling him that maybe he shouldn't be there, he shouldn't be on the pitch. But he was, and, and you know, and he was fantastic on the pitch as well, as you say, uh, all-star nomination 2018. I think that was Carlos first since uh, 1994. Like, so, I mean, Fair play to him. I talk about uh, defying the odds. Yeah, fantastic player, Paul Broderick. He's gone. Colin Boyle's gone. Brian Fox is gone. Um, in Tipperary, Niall, it was he won the he won the Munster final. He'd actually lost a Munster final at minor under twenty one at senior. So he finally got to the promised land. Didn't retire after that. Played on. Um, looking at Brian Fox, you wouldn't think there's an intercounty player. Um, if we're being honest, but he brilliantly industrious half forward. And I think I think he was at his best under Liam Kearns when they got to the All-Ireland semi-final. He was kind of dropping back into a sweeper role that year. I thought he was absolutely fantastic um, uh, the year they, they had that good run. Yeah, like industrious is definitely the word. Like he just, um, like he was so, so clever on the ball and he'd always be kind of, f- kind of, flying around the, the breaks and he'd get the break then and he'd do, give the clever pass. He was he was very quick like and a great lad to sort of break through and set up a score or something like that. Like I'll never forget the Munster semi-final last year when Tipper, they were, or in 2020, the year they won, they were really struggling against Limerick and Brian Fox came on that day and he completely changed the game. He kicked a brilliant score off the outside of the boot and then was instrumental in, in winning the sideline as well that Connor Sweeney scored like and he he was good the day in the in the Munster final too, and he got the goal. Remember the goal he scored against Mayo up in the semi final. He kind of just it was classic Brian Fox goal. He kind of just goes the outside of the boot. He he kind of drop kicked it off the left foot and it rolled in like. But it was the way he kind of broke past the the Mayo defenders like they maybe they saw him coming and there was there wasn't too much on. But he just stayed going and kind of eventually got by them. But. That was the type of player he was like, and we've we've hurled against him a few times as well, and he's a very good hurler as well he, for, yeah? for Airog and Akarty, and his cousin Tom Fox was on the was on the Tipperary panel as well, like. But anything to the the great yeah, Pat they'd, Fox? Be, they'd be related to, to Pat Fox. They're all from the same club, Airog and Akarty. I think he I think he's a nephew now. I'm not a hundred percent on that, but um, yeah, he was just he was a very clever player and a lad as a Tipperary supporter. He was a lad that you always wanted to see on the ball, like because he he do the right thing with it, like so. Yeah, no, he, fantastic. Yeah, three great players, um, all gone now after three brilliant brilliant careers. James McCartan is back down. Finally, have a manager, Ali. Uh, what a manager after getting talking about s- sitting around thinking they're not getting anyone, and now they have the the great James McCartan. The two of you are too young to really appreciate James McCartan as much as I do. I love James McCartan because when I was a young thirteen year old. Falling in love with Gaelic football, James McCartan was only 18 or 19 winning in All-Ireland in 91 and this lad was magic and he was even more magic then in 94 when he had the few more years um, when they won it again. He managed him 2010, got them to an All-Ireland final, beat that very good Kerry team in the quarter final, lost to Cork I think only by a point um, in the final. They got to a league semi-final back then, got to an Ulster final then in 2014 I think before he left. Absolutely fantastic pedigree, respecting down, um, has done it before. And uh, like, how humble is he? He's been with the down minor since Lee and now he's back with the seniors. Like, it's just selfless, uh, you know, putting his shoulder to the wheel for the down cause. Yeah, absolutely. And like, and I think one of the biggest attributes that he'll have is that 
people will actually want to play for him. You know, yeah. who in down doesn't want to play for James McCartney? Like he's got so much respect for what he did as a player and then what he did again as a manager. He's sort of going to reignite that hope, you would think. And then, you know, with, the obvious thing is that, is that will the Kilku players play under him and hopefully he would have some sort of... Uh, I mean, well, if I was him, that'd be one of the first things, you know, you'd be looking at, you know, trying to get these boys back on board, the Johnston brothers and whatever else. Um, he's also got... Uh, O'Rourke in as his Aiden uh, O'Rourke, coach. Yeah. yeah, as his assistant coach, you know. So he hasn't announced any of his coaching staff. And I was sort of thinking, like, like we were talking about how Connor Laverty was maybe close to getting the job, and he's currently the down under twenty manager. But because he's still playing for Kilku and they're in Ulster and stuff, he obviously doesn't want to commit that much still yet. But maybe a job, and this, this is just me speculating, but maybe a job with him in the coaching staff to try and open up that bridge to the Kilku team. And uh, they're obviously sort of catering for him to be a down manager one day, you know, so it'd be getting him experience in that sense. Yeah. And then you can get everyone on board. And then under the the great James McCartan that, um, you know, they could really go for a rally because down have been in, they've been in football and wilderness, you know, since he left. I think they reached an Ulster final in 2017, but they were completely dismantled by Tyrone. And in terms of county, I'd love to know the numbers, but the turnover rate of players who show up one year and then not the next, it's just absolutely huge. Ah, it's ridiculous. So Benny Coulter was talking about that. He was obviously talking up uh, James McCartan. He said he's a shrewd oper- operator. He can read a game. He's brilliant tactically, knows how to set teams up and knows how to get on with the lads. So it's a brilliant choice, uh, Benny said. But he did go on about talk about the players. He was in with Paddy Talley, I think 2019. And he said, when I was in with Down, our four main, pl- our four main forwards in the championship against Armagh was Conair Harrison, Pat, Pat uh, Haveron, Donal O'Hare and Jerome Johnson. And none of them played last year. And you can throw Ryan Johnson in there as well. So there is that huge turnover um, that only a legend like James McCartan could probably get. Who in Down would not want to play for him? And if you don't want to play for James McCartan, who's a legendary player and who's got down to an All-Ireland final out of nowhere in 2010 as well, what what are you made of? That's the way I would be looking at them. What are you made of? And I do accept the Conor Laverty point. I think that's important. I think this management's better than Laverty and and uh, and Marty Clark anyways. Much more experience. Uh, Aidan O'Rourke um, is a shrewd enough operator, has senior inter-county experience too. Um, like, I mean, if they can't get Laverty, they should just get in the kit man for Kilku or the tea lady. They <laughs> yes. need to get someone for, they need to get someone from Kilku that everybody loves in Kilku. Just, I don't care if you know nothing about football. Come on in. <laughs> <laughs> we'll cover the football so you get every one of them in here get a farmer from Kilku in <laughs> a sheep farmer sheep farmers they're all get, sheep farmers there you get them to drag the boys in oh but even like I even know who about James McCartan like and I wouldn't be I'm not the, the biggest football man but I've seen like I remember watching the highlights of a game they played against Derry and one of the points he scored it was up online there yesterday as well and he just ran through for about 50 yards took about 5 hits and straight over the bar like and he was just he was iconic really as a player, wasn't he? That yeah. kind of tenacity and, and skill at the same time, like in a low centre of gravity and just, oh, he, was, he was kind of a little pit bull on the field, wasn't oh, he? he was. like, Listen, as, as the well only word being... I can use to describe him, he was magic. That's what he was. He was absolute magic. He was dynamite. Uh, there's two words, magic and dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about being addicted to the game here, right? So like, I mean, James McCartan is back in you know, and like, I mean, let's be honest, he'd be doing that as a volunteer in his own county. Like, I mean, went back to the miners volunteering and now back in again. Um, Joe Quaid, who obviously managed uh, Kildare at Christie Ring, then managed uh, Westmead at the Joe McDonough Cup. He's gone to manage 
the Kildare Intermediate Camogie. Like, these lads are addicted to it. You know what I mean? I can't imagine. Like, I mean, we all know managers get some payments and everything, and I'm not going to... I can't imagine the Kildare Intermediates are going to pay that much. These lads are just addicted to getting involved with teams. Like, he was involved with the Limerick Camogie team before as well. And then not only that, we see Davy Fitzgerald has gone in with the Cork Camogie team <coughs> as a coach, not even as the manager. Again, addicted to it. Could there be that much money involved in that team? Well, I don't. The Dave Fitzgerald one is not confirmed yet. It, it's just, uh, I think it's just speculation. Even or the Echo Live is reporting it. Yeah. yeah. So, like, no, it is. Like, it's just these guys are just complete fanatics, like, aren't they? And they just, I'd say it's a bit, it reminds you a bit of Ken Hogan getting involved with the Junior Bees in Lurla. Like, it's it. just a lad who, like, that's just what they do. And they can't, like, when they have a bit of spare time, it's what they want to be doing, like, and, uh, yeah, Joe Quay going in with the Kildare Intermediates, Dave Fitzgerald going in with the, potentially going in with the Cork Camogie team. Like, there'll be fair, some star-studded names in the Camogie management teams next year. Definitely. You've done a little bit of coaching, uh, Lee, haven't you? With the, You're over the mm. ladies team in, in the club. Like, I mean, yeah. is coaching addictive? I think I did one session. I did enjoy it. I did it with Mount Melick. They asked me. It was funny. They had gotten Tommaso Shea down for a coaching session um, with Mount Melick. And... Uh, Tomas had to let them down at the very last minute, so they got me, got me, out of, got me in as a replacement. Imagine the Mount Melick lads' heads just going off for f- <laughs> as I showed up instead of Tomas to But anyways, I did a session with them. I did a session with their forwards, and I did really enjoy it. You know, like I mean, it must be addictive. Yeah, to be honest, I, I absolutely love it. Like it's 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 really really enjoyable, and it has me out, or it had me out six nights a week because you're training twice playing for the men's team and then you've got a match and you're training the ladies twice and then they've got a match so it's, it is six nights a week but I found each one sort of a break from the other and something like what we talked about with the dual players so one week, one day I'm coaching one day I'm playing um, there is something there's a little bit of arrogance in any coach in the sense that like how many times have we been coached or you've been in a training session or you've been managed by someone or they pick a team and you're like, what are they doing picking that team? What are you doing doing this drill? You know, and then finally you're in a position where you pick the drill. I'd love that control, like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. You have to be a little bit of a control freak uh, to enjoy that that element of it too. And then there's no better feeling than winning as well. Like the ladies hadn't won a game uh, all last season and we were third in the league this season, got we won the junior champion, the C junior championship this year. Um, only lost to two teams the entire season as well. Like you know, so it was really, really, really brilliant watching them like develop and learn. And uh, as the season went on, we just got better and better. And the buy-in was brilliant as well. Um, their, our biggest issue was that the matches were on a Saturday night <laughs> and trying to get them out on Saturday nights. But other than that, I, I do I can see why it's addictive. Like yeah. I mean, I I'm going to do it next year as well. Get, getting a group of players to buy into your ideas, getting them really fit, getting them playing the way you want them to play, seeing them express themselves, seeing them put their heart and souls into it and then seeing them winning. I imagine that's like a drug. Uh, Seriously, like, I mean, I'm not kind of trying to think. It must be an incredible feeling that you, I know it's not all about the manager, but you got these team together. You you know, you've, you've let them express themselves, given them what they need and they've ended up winning. I'd imagine that's like a drug. I'd say it must be like I haven't I haven't done too much coaching Me either, no, but myself to be honest like we're we're kind of we're being encouraged to get involved like nowadays a lot of clubs have it that their senior players are coaching the under 8s and the under 10s yeah. and the under 12s and I suppose that's where you start off and any of the lads I've talked to like a few of the lads won championships with under 14 teams and they did say like it was as good a buzz they had when they're when they're winning themselves like and a lot of managers have said that in the past as well so um 
No, it's definitely a, a great thing to get involved in. And I'd say if you did get involved, you, you definitely it would be easy to become addicted to it. Like, yeah, I remember Port Leash trying to get some. I remember them trying to get lads involved. It's a very hard thing to do when you're still playing because you don't really have the time. A lot of your time's taken up. I remember saying to them, "Here, I'm getting the head boxed off myself winning county titles. Like, I mean, is that not enough? Is that not enough for this club?" So I actually didn't go back. Um, I was living in Dublin. I didn't train train any of the underage teams um, in Port Leash. I'll do that kind of thing maybe um, when Manix and Ari are old enough. That kind of selfish volunteering, you know, that kind of way where you're actually spending time with the children. So we know we know um, what next season's going to look like, uh, Lee. Um, the examiner said that they've seen it. It only gets official yet, but they they've definitely John Fogarty has definitely seen it. So the league is starting the end of January. Uh, for the football first week in February um, for the hurling the provincial championships are starting April 16th um, and 17th uh, the football fi- the football provincial final is made the 28th 29th and the hurling provincial finals are the, f- are the 4th and 5th of June and most of us know at this stage that the All-Ireland final in hurling is the 17th of July and football is the 24th of July so it's over with a week still to go so I'd imagine with that week taken into consideration every county in Ireland should be starting club championships on the 1st of August won't that be fantastic? Yeah yeah that, that, that would be absolutely amazing to be honest I mean uh, our championship started got at the end of August, start of September. Um, took we got to the semi-finals, so it took us right into the November, but um, or October, end of October even. But like it was a, it's a long season, and then playing it in the cold and in the dark as well. You know, cha- championships for summer, um, and that's for the county and that's for the club as well. So if we were able to start in August, I just think that'd be that'd be fantastic. Like it would be really, really enjoyable. Um, I think they've cut it down from, you know, typically it would have been a thirty-six week. Uh, season and now it's cut all the way down to 25 yeah so that, that's a fair chunk off it you know they, they've, they've done a good job in condensing it and I, I don't want to bring up proposal b or start any rows in that sense but in the same week that this plan has all came out and what what the future holds uh three players have announced their retirement and you just sort of wonder you know if a different proposal in time and that's i'm sorry and that's it condensed as well like when you know, we've got a big thing already plus with that but you're wondering if uh Something like proposal be it came in with players have hung on and the countless other sort of intercounty players like the Kilku boys and whatever else you know if they'd be uh, far more interested in, in joining the county setup. Yeah, it's hard to know. Like if we're being honest, like I mean, and I'm all, I was all for proposal B. What we have here now, starting at the start of February, running right through to July, no more that April for clubs being thrown right in the middle. A fairly intense league championship games most weekends. It's a hell of a lot better than what we had in previous years where it's dragged out till September and it's dragging on too long. Like, I mean, I don't have a huge problem. This year, obviously, there is a little bit of messing going on. So say the weekend, February the 12th, 13th, you have the All-Ireland Club Finals. You have a full round of National uh, Hurling League and you have the Sigerson Cup semi-finals. And that's the messing that we don't like. Now, it has to be said that at the end of this year, the club championship will go right until... All Ireland semi-final stage before Christmas and then the finals will be played the following February. So I'm sure they'll be able to find a weekend in February where there is no uh, hurling and football, you know, National League and give the All Ireland Club finals their... I, I, I hate the All Ireland Club finals on when there's National League, you know, National League on. Mm-hmm. It runs down the prestige of those competitions and the poor Sigerson Cup Sigurdsson Cup semi-finals will be a complete afterthought as well. So ov- obviously b- because this year... Um, 
Um, you know, with with uh, the, fo- the the follow over from the club last year can't be finished. Obviously, this year the semi finals have to be played, so there is that little bit of messing. But the year after, it should be a little bit uh, less less hectic at that time of the year. Um, like we said, that these pre season competitions are being played um, this year, so teams are back training on the eighth of December. Um, the pre-seasons are back in January. I think it's a knockout. I was saying it's no big deal. And then I was saying, oh, well, you know, it is no big deal. But at the same time, there are national competitions that have national media added. And you can't just go to it like a challenge game where you play, you know, one fifteen in one half and another 15. You know, you don't do it at your own leisure. But it was interesting that all of the FBD league competition matches are being played in this uh Airdome at the Connacht GA Centre of Excellence. Like, I mean, aren't they very lucky? Imagine the look at that time of the year and the shit that the pitches are in, that you just walk into a dome and play on the AstroTurf. Now, this is an AstroTurf like a lot of people will remember from Five Aside where, the you know, the whole leg could be scalded off you if you go in for a sliding tackle. This is proper, um, you know, grass. It's moved on. I'd be really looking forward to, to seeing games there. It gives us a reason to look forward to the FBD League, doesn't it? Just uh, Get a look at it, yeah. And supporters can go in there too. Apparently there's a temporary stand can go one side and fit 2,000, which is all would be at those FBD games anyways. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing it. I'd say that even be, there'll probably be more of a crowd looking to go this year just to get into the Dome. And like there will be a bit of a novelty there just to see like what it's like watching a, a Gaelic football game inside, like, you know, and... Uh, I know, like uh, the roof is meant to be is meant to be very high, isn't it? You said it was two twice the posts. height of t- twice the height of the goal p- of the top of the goalpost. That's at the middle. It's obviously a dome, so it's it wouldn't be that at the sides. But the centerpiece, which w- you know would run down the middle of the pitch, would be twice the height of the goals. Yeah, I'm just trying to imagine a game of hurling being played in there and like the ball hitting the dome because like the ball at different stages it will go up very high like so yeah I'd rebound it back it's like when you're playing the indoor soccer where you do a rebound off the side wall <laughs> yeah, to get yeah. past so <laughs> you could rebound it off the roof it would there be no hurling there you couldn't play hurling yeah. unless they'd have to make it uh, double the side I don't think Mayo people would be too although it's in Ballyhawness which is a proud hurling uh hurling place but they've no it's the Mayo Centre of Excellence it's nothing to do um, with Ballyhawness but it'd be interesting to keep your eye out I think it's Leitrim against uh, Leitrim against Sligo is the first game there on Tuesday January the 4th in the Dome it's uh, Andy Moran's first game uh, with Leitrim so I'm sure there'll be a bit of national attention um, on that one see that's the thing there'll be loads of national media up watching Andy Moran's first game with, uh, with, with Leitrim say Leitrim get hammered against Sligo oh you know even though it's just the pre-season mm. it's national exposure where if, if Andy Moran organises a challenge game against Sligo and they get hammered by Sligo. Nobody's any the wiser. You know, you, Andy Moore will put it down to the players. Look, listen, we just play, listen, we're trying everybody out. It's no big deal to the league. You know, it's the January competitions are that extra little bit of competition that I don't think is needed in January when, Lee, when you're in that pre-season kind of mode. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there'll be a lot of media coverage just given the fact that he's Andy Moran. And so, you know, all A's are sort of on him anyway. But uh, I know what you mean. This, so this competition is just... It's, it's brought the pressure that little bit earlier. And like, and you were saying at the start, oh, it's, you know, the preseason tournaments, it's no big deal. But then because it's no big, like the fact that it's no big deal is, is sort of a reason not to do it. You know what I mean? Like any team that's won it and, and any of the experiences I've had from watching it, they've never really went on to do anything hugely spectacular. You know, it doesn't really tell you anything about the season ahead. And then like if we even look back at like uh, 
all the debates around Congress when they were talking about Proposal B and everything, like most of the counties were saying, you know, that were against it, they were saying that, sure, the league, the league, we treat that as like a warm up, you know, especially the first few games anyway. And so if that's the case, then why do you really need these high pressured uh, preseason games anyway? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just kind of use the first few league games for a little bit of experimenting and then and then crank it up towards the end of the league, you know, almost at championship at championship pace for the last two games and then get into the championship. I've, I, I initially said I don't really mind those early season competitions in January. I've completely <laughs> talked myself out of wanting them now. I don't want them at all. Not to the point where I'm going to start going mad about it, you know, but you just prefer if they hadn't uh, if they hadn't come back in. Last one here before we get into Conor McManus. Um, is Rory Grugan. So he was tweeting about this. So he's bringing a motion to his the Armagh County Convention to move all club league games to either Friday or Saturday night for the 22 season and beyond. So like, I mean, the three of us uh, play and this is a situation where people who haven't played will think, Jesus, there's more important things to be thinking, you know, thinking of than this. And then every player will go, that makes so much sense because there's nothing worse than waiting around till the Sunday evening. Sometimes it's Sunday evening until you play your league game. And like, I mean, you can't go out. You can't read, really, you know, you can't really do anything, especially when you're in your 20s. Like a social life in Ireland is a really important thing. Like, I mean, that's what young people do at the weekend. And to miss out on it for league games, club games, it's just cruel. Like you're looking at gigs, festivals. 21st parties you know birthday parties stag parties when you're in your 20s stag parties are huge when you get to my age you don't really particularly want to go on them um, you know but like I mean it's just such a simple thing Niall but players would appreciate it you know massively yeah because to be waiting around for like you wouldn't mind a championship game of a Sunday like you'd be you'd be buzzing to be playing of a Sunday for a championship but when it's a league game like to be kind of because when you do have a game your whole weekend is kind of boxed off Towards the game, socialising like, you know, wise, yeah, like, like you're not going to be, you're not going to be going out Saturday night. You're going to be kind of taking it easy Saturday, and to be waiting around if it's like Sunday evening league game, it's the worst thing in the world. A lot of them would be Sunday morning, but um, I think everyone in Armagh they'd be they'd be eager that that motion passes because a Friday or Saturday game is is much more enjoyable. You have the you play your game. You're with the team. You probably go out with your team in Together. a bit of bondage, you know, early on in the season, and um, that's exactly what what the majority of players want. Like, so it it'd be great if it was, if it was passed. And I think it should be. It probably should be the way in most counties around Ireland that that league games are Fridays and Saturdays because uh, Sunday a lot of the time you'd be in the in the winter months. Yeah. You'd rather not be playing a game, a game of hurling or football, anyway. Yeah, a lot of league games in the leash uh, are 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 midweek. Um, they're like uh, Wednesday or Thursday night. I saw they're in down. They they play their club. They play all their club league games on Friday nights. And in Tyrone, they moved in twenty twenty one to do the same thing. Um, Lee, I was I, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, yeah, and um, down they've been doing the Friday nights thing now for a couple of years. To be fair, so they're. Uh they're leading the trend in that sense. Um, so it's, it's really good from my, my point of view anyway. I have my weekends to myself. Uh, we would train on a Monday and a Wednesday and then you play your match on a Friday. You've got your Saturday and you've got your Sunday. Like, you know, Great. It's, it's, it's perfect really. Like you can plan lots of things around that. Um, like I already mentioned, taking the girls, they play on a Saturday. I mean, that's, uh, they play on a Saturday every Saturday, 7 p.m. You know, it's you couldn't think of a worse time on a Saturday. Like, you know, in the amount of, like you're missing big players and games because, well, 
hand parties for one. I've been completely indifferent <laughs> to hand parties, but now I hate them. I absolutely <laughs> there's so many of them. Uh, but like you know, weddings are on a Saturday, like you said. Birthday parties are on a Saturday night, um, and you know, and they, they have to plan everything around that. And quite often, like the sure they don't even have a changing room to get changed afterwards and try to rush to the event late. Like, you know, <laughs> so uh, it definitely helps having the Friday nights. So it's a big, big change. Um, Trone, they, they, they pushed that through, and I think that's sort of Armar are looking at, you know, them as an example. Ashley McConville came out in the, he's a Sunday Life column, and he, he did a big spiel about how things just need to change now, and the traditionalists need to get over it, and that really, uh, you know, football is for, it's, it's for young people primarily, you know, if they're playing it, and a Friday would, or a Saturday afternoon would suit them so much better. Yeah, no, it definitely would. And like, I mean, there, there's one, like Rory Grugan was saying that Saturday night is their preference, actually, would you believe, Lee? Because he's saying that he wants to avoid managers who would train every Sunday morning if you have a league game Friday night. And that probably would happen. Like, there's a solution here to that. Just don't go on the Sunday morning is number one. Um, that would be my reaction to it. But then again, I was an ex a top level player who was always going to be picked. You know, like, I mean, every player can't take my stand. I'm only, I'm only, uh, I'm only messing it. But the only thing is to would, because obviously managers get paid by sessions. Obviously, outside managers get paid. Generally, managers from their own club wouldn't be getting paid. But like, I mean, if you're getting paid 100 quid, 80 quid, 120 quid per session, you could guarantee if you have a league game on the Friday night, these lads are dying to see where can I fit in another session during the week? Yeah, it'd be lads stumbling into the training session. Like I'd say, you'd stay in if you had a match. If you're training, you'd probably chance yeah. it. And you'd ah, say, you're allowed to show up to train and die in. Yeah, really. you'll set the alarm and you'll be like, Ho- hopefully it wakes me now. But uh, I seen on the comments under Rory Grugan's tweet, there was an Armagh ladies footballer and she was saying that, well, we play all our league games on the Saturday and we've all the pitches and the referees. Like, we don't want to lose our Saturday slot. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that one works out. Yeah, right? there could be some crossover there then. All right, there's no, there's no doubt about that. Maybe don't go, maybe, like, I mean... That's the that's the that's the solution here. But there definitely, if there's a Friday night league game, an awful lot of managers, one hundred percent, would have it on on Sunday morning. But anyways, once they're not, once there isn't a match on Sunday, do what you want, lads. Do what you want. Just don't get caught. That's the only uh, <laughs> that's the only advice I give. Right, I'm talking nonsense now. We'll leave it there, and we'll come back with uh, Connor McManus. So we haven't spoken to Conor McManus in ages on the show and thanks to our friends in Imagine Broadband, I was speaking to him yesterday and I started off by asking him how the downtime feels in November. We're only, um, what is it, 12 or 14 days away from inter-county training returning, so um, yeah, take the wee break when it's going. So you ha- you've had a break since the 17th of October, I was looking, you lost to True, it's a club I'd never heard of until this year, um, in the, in the quarter- where the hell did they come from, in the yeah. quarter- it was the quarter-final of the Monaghan Championship, so you've already had a month off. Yeah, well funny, we, we played the league final there on Friday, um, we, the senior league final was on Friday, so right. um, we, we went right onto that, just the way the league structure around here in Monaghan, the league's actually not finished before the championship, which is a strange enough one, but... Um, yeah, we finished up in the league, the league final there on Friday, so that's us done and dusted now for the year. Right, done and dusted until the eighth of feckin' December, which they've yeah. changed now. It was supposed to be the first of January, and they've changed that now. So there's no like it's running into each other, just like it always has. Yeah, there's no real change to that at all, in any way, shape, or form. Um, however long that lasts, I suppose we'll get a better steer or a better feel for how this close season or you know the the split season works. We'll get a better feel for that. Um, 
I suppose next year when when we've had a full clear run at it, um, you know that the the county season finishes in June or July, I think it is next year. July, yeah. So I suppose we get a better taste of of what split season looks like next year. This year probably wasn't the best year with COVID and everything else, so we get a better feel for that now uh, next year. Yeah, I think the whole idea of getting rid of the, you know, the pre-season competitions in January lets you start on the 1st of January because we were talking on the show here today about, you know, challenge matches versus, you know, I know they're not the most important matches in the world, but they're still national competition and there's national media at them. Whereas a challenge match, you could play half a team in one half, change it completely. You can organise it whenever you kind of suits your players. You know, there is a big difference. It It's not really... Like challenge matches would make your life easier, I suppose, is what I, what I'm saying. They probably would, yeah, they probably would. Um, now, funny, I was just on saying there that this morning about the McKenna Cup, and I was actually just lamenting that it wasn't happening. Not that I'm a big pro, pro, pro McKenna Cup, but I suppose it just gives you a definite structure. You know, every player knows that you're playing again Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday, or Wednesday, Sunday, Sunday, whatever way right. it is. Um, whereas Challenge games they can be stuck in anywhere between here and 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 you know mid mid January you could be playing them midweek you could be you could be you could be pulled and dragged anywhere just depending on who you're playing or where it is or when it is, um. But I suppose looking at the end of the day, it gives fellas, particularly young lads, I suppose, are trying to break into teams and that. There, it's a recognised game. There's not going to be massive pressure on it. It's a wee bit more than a challenge game. So yeah. it might just give them that wee bit more. Anybody that's, that's looking to get game time or get their fitness back or whatever the case yeah. is. It, it's, them I, it's them I feel sorry for the poor chaps getting their chance because their Christmas is ruined. You'll be all right. You can have your... You can enjoy, you're established at this stage, but they actually have to, you know, you know, pretty yeah. much be very dedicated over Christmas because this is their one shot. This is it, yeah. I remember being back there myself like the yeah. morning. So it's, it is, you know, you, you can't... Um, you can't just go off the rails completely over Christmas, you know. So not that any most county players are doing that now, and they're keeping themselves in good shape and all the rest anyway. But um yeah, it's um they're, they're back, I suppose what you were saying there was the idea of them not being there was that the, the league would start earlier. The league started at the same time it always started in the last week in January. Um so so far no major changes. It's obviously gonna be we'll see the changes at the end of the league. And how quickly the championship starts, then I suppose that's ultimately where we'll find the, the real yeah. difference. Yeah, the April for clubs will be gone and we'll just get straight into the championship. It's probably what the you know the, the biggest change we'll notice from the yeah, last well, few years. Yeah, April for clubs was a mess anyway. Yeah. I mean, like, it, you're sticking in five or six games in the month of April and then you had county players being expected to play all them games. You had club players who were playing them four or five games and then they weren't playing a game for God knows how long thereafter. So, that certainly wasn't the answer anyway. No, no, it definitely didn't make sense. So how are you managing the hips? Your hips are in, in bad shape from from all accounts. You're 34 now, just uh, just gone 34. So no, like, not, I mean, yet, not, not yet, not yet, not yet. I'm hanging on. A couple I of days. Wikipedia is wrong then. It said 7th of November. No, 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 no. Next week, next Tuesday, is it? What day right. is it? Uh, 30th. Wikipedia is wrong. Right. Don't believe all you're reading Wikipedia. So, so how are the hips? How are you managing them? I presume this time of the year is grand and easy on them, whereas, like, say, the Armagh game and the championship, like I say, that was just cruel. <laughs> yeah. Well, funny, it's it's actually, in in a weird sort of way, at that stage in the year, you have actually most of your work done, you've all the work done. So that bit's actually an easy bit. It's a, the tougher part of it is actually now, whereby 
you know, the temptation is, you know, there's nothing happening, not do as much, but you need to be doing as much, if not more now. Right. It's actually the less you do on the hip sometimes, the worse it gets, you know, whereas now I'm not saying the more you do because you have to manage your load more and, and pick your fights and pick your battles, I suppose, a wee bit more than ever than, than you did in, in the past. But if you totally ignore them and just down tunes altogether, that's probably when you're going to be at your source with them, you know. So it's just a matter of keeping things ticking over with them, keeping the rehab going. And um, then when you get back on the field, there's, there's obviously certain elements of training that you just aren't going to be beneficial to you because they're going to do more harm than good. So you just have to, you just have to be mindful of that and pick your pick your battles. What like the like the long runs or that kind of thing? The heavy no, slogging? Long, long runs are fine. Um, it's actually the the shorter, sharper twisting and turning that sort of stuff right. is what will will cause you more trouble. You know. Um, so you just have to manage that as best as you can. That that's not ideal for an inside forward like yourself who you know needs to be you know twisted. That's yeah, that's yeah. the whole part of your game, that's, I suppose. That's your whole part of your game, yeah. And I suppose again, it's just trying to 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 do that when you really need it. I suppose is, is the key, you know. Right, right. It is it is noticeable like last year that you're kind of carrying them late in games. You know, like it's noticeable that you're I don't know you're not you're not running as free as you as you would have. Yeah, well, it's it's just I suppose looking. It's it, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Um, that that it's been there a long time. You know, so it's it's um, you're just trying to. Funny, I don't notice it really in games. Maybe it's just I'm not playing that well. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, that's you don't really notice it. Uh, you know, during games you don't notice it. It's it's the before and after more so that that you find the issues with it. You know, is it like you're floating out the field a little bit more than usual? Would that be tied into that, or is that just a you know to to free you up a little no, bit more? No, it's not tied into that at all. No, it's not tied into that at all. I think it was just just about you know different men and different options and 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 uh, just getting involved in the play a little bit more maybe. But no, it's nothing to do with with hips or anything else like that. You know? <laughs> Have have you noticed the game? Obviously, that Armagh game—that was the game of the championship. Like, I mean, what a bloody game! Like, it just—you know—it was an incredible game to watch. Have you noticed? Obviously, a lot of your career on the inside line has has been the very defensive, you know, double mm-hmm. sweeper watching you at all times kind of stuff. Have you noticed a bit more free, a bit more freedom now, and a little bit? Well, there is definitely more direct ball going in. Yeah, like that game was 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 a crazy game, you know. <laughs> um, Definitely, I don't think you could you could um, analyze Gaelic football on that one game anyway and say that it has changed. Yeah, Jim McGuinness wasn't happy about it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but, uh, to, to watch it from a neutral's point of view, it probably was a great game, and, and you know you had you had I think we Monaghan had four goals scored in in the yeah. first twenty minutes and had conceded probably ten or twelve points in that period of time. You know, so. Um, it was it was definitely a, a, an anomaly, all right? But it, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't simply wouldn't get that game three or four years ago. So there is a bit of a shift on in terms of how teams are setting up, and, and there's more probably of, a, of an emphasis on attacking than than, um, than defending. You know, it's something that and it's just noticeable from watching the three games, the club games on the television. I don't know how much football you watch in the off season, or do you try to get away with it, but or get away from it, but. We were talking about this on the show that the club game is very slow with their build-ups. Like, I mean, it seems to be a stalemate one side and a stalemate the other side. Whereas, if every team is pushing up in the kickouts, if you move the ball down really fast, you probably notice this better than anybody. If you move the ball down, maybe three kick passes, suddenly you have a one-on-one. But if you're really slow with the build-up, you're going to have the stalemate. Yeah, but I think the club game in general 
you know, and you can see it probably even in Monaghan. It's not as good to watch as it maybe it had been. We, we were involved in one or two of them type of games this year in the championship. Um, and if you watch some of the games on, on TV over the last number of weeks, you know, you're seeing very low scoring. You know, even the Dublin final there at the weekend, you know, low scoring, loads of quality players on both teams, but it's just how club teams and how club managers are setting teams up to play now. So um, I'd say the club game is probably behind the inter-county game in, in where it's gone. You know, it's probably two or three or four years behind the inter-county game in, in evolving and getting back to a more attacking style of play. So hopefully in time that will, will weed itself out too. Yeah, I, I suppose the time of the year doesn't help it either. You know, it's very hard to get away from fellas and the fast players, you know, become slower, you know, that kind yeah. of a way. And then you're probably working with less skilled players too. And I don't know, it, it probably needs like you say, two or three years of watching inter-county teams do it right and then the, it'll filter down. Yeah, but, but, but ultimately that's where it all came from is watching inter-county teams, you know, because we, yeah. you know, the club managers all watched, you know, a lot of the defensive stuff that was happening for a long time there as well and then they brought that back and set it up. And It's a very difficult system to play and you need, you know, players to be very, very fit, you know, to do it to the correct, you know, the way it's supposed to be done, you know. So um, when you have possibly club teams that aren't as, as technically gifted or as naturally fit, it becomes a very, very poor game to watch them, you know? Yeah, oh geez, it does. Yeah, the three, we were very unlucky with the three that were on television last weekend anyways. Come here, how are you feeling in, in Monaghan? Like, I mean, I suppose you redeemed yourself this year, um, you know, sh- could easily have beaten Tyrone that day. Probably, a lot of people probably say you should have. You were back level after 49 minutes. You were coming off two terrible years, really, from a Monaghan point of view. You've kind of, you know, given yourself, you know, put yourself back into the frame, I suppose. Yeah, I love it. We had a couple of poor years there in, in 19 and 20. So um, this year was very much about trying to, to right a few wrongs. Now, we didn't ultimately do that because we started off at the start of the year. We wanted to win enough to challenge it. Um, and we came up short. You know, and, and it's definitely it was a big opportunity to get to an All Ireland semi final again because obviously there's no back doors and no super rates and all the rest. So it was very much a, a, an open opportunity to get to an All Ireland semi final and, and get a rattle at, at obviously at Kerry. So we didn't do that and, and we'd be disappointed with that, you know. Yeah, no, well, that's true. And like, I mean, I suppose it's hard to have you have you talked about the, that first half in that match and how, you know, you, you had such a slow start. Um, like, did you have you discussed it as a group or what happened? Or? Not yet. Like, you know yourself when it's all over, it's all over. Yeah. Um, but like, it is something we will sit down and look at because if we're going to improve next year and trying to build on, on where we're, we were this year, we're going to have to, and as painful as it probably would be, we're going to have to sit down and take a look at it, you know. Yeah. And as poor and all as we were that day in the first half, we still missed four or five chances that, that you know, nine times out of ten we were put away. So it would have just kept us in, in touching distance and within striking distance of Toronto, you know. Yeah, and I suppose seeing them go the whole way, like, I mean, what do you think of, what do you think when you see that? Nobody expected them to do it at the time. You know, nobody was saying, here's the, you know, potential All-Ireland final, because Tyrone were an unknown quantity a little bit, and you were coming off to, you know, not brilliant years, and then they go on and win it. So yeah. it, I suppose it, bo- it must boost your confidence. Well, look at it, it I suppose, and I, I think I said this earlier on, whereby the last six or seven years, you've been watching teams run into Dublin and just fall, you know, and, and, Every team in the country was doing it, you know, so we were no different than anybody else. And you were watching on teams trying to beat them and nobody could beat them. Now that's, that somebody did go and beat them and you have a new All-Ireland champion and, and could have been one of three teams that won it ultimately because Mayo uh, beat Dublin and then you had Kerry and Tyrone on the other side. So 
any one of them three teams could have went on and won the All Ireland, and and um, it definitely opens things up and, and gives teams a wee bit more hope, you know. Yeah, no, it definitely does. Like I suppose Dublin will be licking their wounds and they'll be back. There's no um, doubt Dublin will be back. There's no doubt. Like, but the teams will will have gained a wee bit of confidence from this year alone, you know. Yeah, no, they definitely will. Come here, we were going to change the whole championship there. Plan B um, was going to come in. Monaghan were very much against it. Um, I know Darren Hughes went on the record that he was against it. Um, where, where did you kind of sit on the on the whole thing? I I felt that um, it needed change. Definitely, we needed we needed change. Whether that was the right thing to do or not, I'm not entirely sure. Um, something I definitely feel that we got out of this was... Um, that there's a massive appetite for change. You know, biggest problem with the GEA is how long it'll take to get that or how long it'll take to put something back in place that we can actually move forward with and, and actually change, you know, and, and the length of time it took us to get to this point and we didn't go ahead with it, that would be the worry, you know, how long yeah. it took us to get to that stage again. Um, but yeah, there's definitely, I think, change needed in some way, shape or form. Again, yeah, whether that was the right thing, I'm not entirely sure. But look, there's, there's loads of things within the GA that need changing at the minute. You know, I think one, one thing that's gathering a wee bit of traction there at the minute is, is minors and under-17s and that there, it seems yeah. to me. Well, your, tweet, your tweet definitely got it, kicked it off anyways. <laughs> it, uh, I, didn't <laughs> it, I didn't expect it to go as, as, as mad as it did. But funny, I was, only, I was, at, I was at a minor club minor final with our, with our boys there this, this, the, day, the day of that and they were beaten in, 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 in maybe after actual time but they were beaten by a point anyway but I was just looking at them lads and there's three or four real good footballers in that group you know but they're still only under 17 and they're expected to come in now and play senior football with us next year and it's not fair to ask them to do that they should be getting ready for another year of of minor football at their own grade and developing at their own level and at their own pace and at their own age group you know so we're definitely missing a trick there. But, but I suppose if there was a minor and they were really good 17-year-olds, they probably would play senior anyways for the club. They might double up. I think that... I, I, I'm trying to understand the whole thing. I prefer it to go back um, without having thought about it too much. But I think what they're trying to do is separate the underage from the adults so that there's no cro- there's no crossover. Well, and I think that's be- very simple. You just... As long as your team is in the minor championship, you don't play senior football. Right. And if your if your team is knocked out of the minor championship or your minors is over, well then you're free. If you're good enough, you're free to play senior football thereafter. You know, and, and because we're definitely losing a lot of players. Like there's a lot of players that like I know in our club. Like there's not many lads that have played minor football and played senior football in the same year. You know, you could count on one hand the amount of yeah. guys that have done it in the last twenty years. Like so, you're asking young lads to come out and do that now as a norm which is which is not really fair you know yeah no that's true I think uh, is it Pat McEnany's club Cardiff is bringing a motion to Congress in February yeah. to try and so it seems to have a lot of support anyways I <laughs> think people like this the funny thing about this under 17 and under 20 is I don't remember anybody ever asking for this no. this was just <laughs> the powers that be just pulled this out of the sky and just ran with it and it has taken till now for people to just stand up and say you know you know, this is not a good idea. Like we're you're actively losing players at that level year on year in this last two or three years. Like. 
Yeah, no, exactly. Eric, before we go, like I'm, I'm always going on about this time of the year, Connor. I love it. I love the provincial club championships. I love seeing who the county champions are in each county, and you know, pitting them against each other. Mm. Like I don't know, we're talking about would would you like to see a Sunday game and make more out of these competitions? You know, maybe not the county finals because they're more localized. But when it gets yeah. into the provincial, where it's still Monaghan versus Derry, or you know, that's what it is this weekend. You can bring that kind of inter club, inter county rivalry into it oh definitely like I, I think the Ulster Club Championship and you'd probably say the same about the Leinster Club Championship because you've been involved in it in the past yeah. one of the best competitions there is you know um, like you're you're taking your county championship and you're going to Celtic Park or you're going to Newry or you're going to Armagh with it or wherever it is and you're you know you're, you're basically going to win an Armagh Championship if you're going down to play the Armagh Champions or you're going to play the Tyrone Champions, you're going basically to win a Tyrone Championship. That's essentially what you're going to do and is beating yeah. the champions of that county. So, it, um, And then you're bringing your whole community with you on, on that journey. So it's definitely definitely something I think we could make it more of. Yeah, no, we're, we'll, we'll agree on that one. Come here, listen, I've taken up enough of your time. Thanks very much for uh, for talking to us. Good man, no bother, Willie. Yeah, great stuff from Connor there. Right, that's all we've time for today. We'll be back on Monday. We'll review all the we'll review the two county finals, anyways, and all the matches on telly and anything interesting from the provincial games as well. So we'll talk to you all then. Good luck. But this little dink ball, the only one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground, and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh, really? Yeah, I've been asked to do a whole pile. Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I cuffer you, you free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> <laughs>